If you sell by referral, relationship building, and network marketing, pick a time and let's talk about podcasting. You might be surprised. When done correctly, all you have to do is have the conversations. Simply dial 239-351-5575 and ask for Tom. That's 239-351-5575. Or go to lawfirmpodcasts.com to schedule a call. There's so many opportunities in your day to practice this. So for me, the place it's you know most accessible for me to practice and that it's most extreme will probably always be around my kids, right? Because we're so reactive around, I don't care how reactive you are about work and other things, but you know, if you have children or somebody out there has children, you know, and your kid and my boys are 17 and 19 mm-hmm. and you know, they, you know, do whatever knucklehead thing that they might do that literally in seconds, you can carry that out to, you know, life catastrophe. Well, if they, you know, behave that way and think that way, this will happen and this will happen. And, and know, as lawyers, and we've seen it, right? You know, we, exactly. We've seen the, exactly. the constant, right. we can see the consequences of poor decision so, making. Correct. And so, so you're going to be reactive to that. So for me, it's like a Petri dish of challenging myself to slow it down. And if I could do it there, then seemingly I can do it in other places. And when I said there's all these opportunities in your day, you know, in your work day as a lawyer. So I look at some of the challenges in the practice as an opportunity for people to grow, right? So I'm triggered by all these things in the law, you know, opposing counsel speaking to me a certain way, uh, you know, the financial stress, particularly if you're running a small, you know, practice of your own, uh, clients that, that may not be happy at any given moment. All these things are an opportunity. Welcome to the NJ Criminal Podcast. Welcome back to New Jersey Criminal Podcast. With me today is Bob Levant. He is a transformational coach, an author, a speaker, a former trial attorney of over three decades, if my math is correct. And he's here today to speak with me about his newly released book, Finding Polaris, Intentional Living for an Extraordinary Life. Bob, welcome. Thanks so much for having me. I really appreciate it. I'm excited to be here. I want to uh, I want to thank you for taking time out of your schedule. I know you've been uh, uh, doing a lot of, of talks and traveling uh, about and, and speaking about your book to to uh, a lot of different people. Um, and and I want to just start by saying, you know, I had listened to your podcast. Uh, the Iron Advocate, and you—you uh, you are the creator of the Iron Advocate mindset. Uh, you had a podcast which focused on how to kill it in the practice of law without it killing you, which I think a lot of my listeners will appreciate. Um, and you expanded some of the concepts that that you and and Jeff Rebel talked about, different tenets that helped lawyers build their foundation, right? Self-awareness, um, taking care of your body, uh, trying to be non-reactive in, and, and look, you worked for 30 years as a, as a trial attorney, um, but trying to be non-reactive in your professional and personal life. And, uh, you know, as I read Finding Polaris, uh, I see it as a handbook uh, for for lawyers, but non lawyers as well. Um, so I'm I'm curious uh, how your path led you 
to the place that you are in life, this this speedway that we're all, all my lawyer friends and colleagues are on right now, how you were able to kind of jump off of it or, or are you still on it and just being, are you able to, uh, to traverse it a little easier than some? You know, I think we're all, um, we're all on it and we're, no matter where your growth takes you, you're always susceptible to, as I like to say, stubbing your mindfulness toe. And I certainly uh, do mine all the time. How I got here, thanks for the super kind words about finding Polaris and that awesome intro. I mean, how I got here, um, wherever that is today in the book, and a lot of it is an outgrowth of the practice of law. You know, as you said, I, I practiced for, uh, you know, close to, close to 25 years. And um, I think I found my, my way to ultimately writing Finding Polaris. And initially it started with my own journey of trying to figure out how to be the best version of myself and a relatively health, healthy version of myself in the practice, which is enormously challenging. I mean, I, I you know, the practice of law is one of the most uh, sort of, you know, reactive, uh, you know, petri dishes to play with emotional intelligence that, that there is. I mean, the, you know, conflict underlies so much of what you do, almost all of what you do as a trial lawyer. Um, you know, your clients come to you in conflict, and then, of course, conflict is inherently built into trial work. And so it, it, it hits on a lot of triggers. And for me, the journey to both live health, healthily, but also to be the best version of myself as a trial lawyer that I could be, led me to a really deep dive in, you know, into my own, uh, you know, emotional intelligence quotient, ultimately led me to where I am now, you know, which is writing and speaking a lot. But it really happened, you know, within the practice of law and initially as a journey to deal with my own anxiety and get at my own authenticity, which, of course, will allow you to connect uh, in, in whatever your outermost, um, you know, uh, reach of, you know, greatness as a trial lawyer is. It's it's going to be connected to how authentic you can be in front of a jury. So, uh, you know, that's kind of, of, of what led me to where I am today. I know so many attorneys that are unhappy uh, and and whether or not they are prosecutors or defense attorneys or public, you know, public servants or private practice. Um, you're right. The practice of law is uh, inherently uh, full of conflict. It's inherently stressful, whether you're um, whether it's stress because of colleagues or stress because of adversaries or the judge or clients or, um, you know, if you're in private practice, uh, collection, all of it. Um, it's all it's all of it. It's it's all consuming. It's, it's I mean, and both. It's, it's all of it. How can a a either a young lawyer or a lawyer that's been doing it a long time um, find that peace and at what point in time um, does a person really and this goes for any any person who's in any field how do you know when it's not for you and when you need to make a change in your career uh, or is it about making an internal change uh, and the and the external uh, will flow from there what are your yeah, thoughts on you're that? speaking my language you're speaking my language right if you read my book <laughs> I'm, the internal and the external is, is big for me so to answer the first part of your question um i do not believe that coming at it 
from a place of external, um, I have to get out today and that'll fix everything is, is the way to do it. Uh, and quite frankly, the place that I recommend lawyers and non-lawyers start. And the place that I got it wrong, you know, wrong for a long time is this idea that there's some, uh, you know, cure to it or a, a transition out of the law or some other profession is necessarily the answer. I actually think, quite frankly, that sitting with your discomfort and if it's your dissatisfaction or your pain and your suffering, your sadness, your frustration, all of it, sitting with it is the place to start. So rather than running from it and maybe to the next thing that isn't isn't the fit that's going to feed your soul, it's sitting with it. And and so I battled that for a long time. You know, being a trial lawyer, like it's baked into who I am. Right? A lot of what I do now, my listening skills, my problem solving skills, how I interact with people and, and help them advocate, you know, for themselves and those around them. They're all lawyer skills, right? And and I draw upon them all the time and they're maybe the most meaningful uh, dependable part of my skill set when I do, you know, transformational coaching, when I wrote the book, uh, when I speak, all of it. So for me, certainly the levels of, you know, conflict and crisis and emotional deregulation that you have to deal with when you do the kind of litigation that I did is something to be really aware of and, and recognize the impact it can, it can have. And it was running toward that or, or leaning into it that ultimately kind of unlocked the best lawyer that I could have possibly been, you know, and, you know, the, the back half of my career leaning into all that made me more authentic and more accessible to clients and jurors and judges and everybody around me. And of course, led me to, you know, to a path out of the law. But I think it's because I leaned into the challenges. And so I recommend that for anybody, whether it's in the law or outside the law you know, is sit with the stuff that's really uh, causing you to feel the reactivity that I got to get out. And and you may need to transition and may need to get out, you know, but ironically, I think the answer oftentimes begins or the process of finding your way begins by sitting with it. You practice yoga and I, I hear, you know, I hear the words that you're saying and I, 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 I know that it's it's like the phrase, uh, you know, the things that show up on the mat generally will show up off the mat, right? And that the concept of sitting with discomfort, right? The the yoga pose begins at the moment you want to get out of it. Um, that that really is true. These these concepts that you that you're drawing on, um, I can I can hear that uh, that it's. Um, a lot of it is taken from your yoga practice, and you talk about that in the book. And you talk about look whether it's yoga or or running or some sort of movement is is so good for the physical body, but it's so good for the soul as well. Yeah, hey, I mean no doubt. So I I refer to people talk about you know the mind body connection. I'm a big believer that it's the body mind. So I refer to it as body mind practice and. Getting into your body will release you to, uh, you know, I think emotionally, uh, mentally and spiritually be your best self. So 
whatever that body practice looks like for you, you know, and, and, and as I talk about in the book, uh, there's no right way, one right way. If it's going to work for everybody, you know, yoga is a big part of my life, both from the physical challenge of it and also from the, you know, mental, emotional and spiritual end, which you touched on. Uh, but I, I, I think yes to, to all that. And I mean, that's part of the process of getting at your stuff too. So, you know, I'm a big believer on owning what is right. And as you articulated and I have, um, you know, trial work, is incredibly taxing on your, um, you know, on your emotional system. And, and therefore, of course, your mental, physical and spiritual one as well. And um, owning that, which is, is, you know, is, is the essence of it. And, and that certainly, you know, underlies, um, you know, my journey through the law. I mean, when I stopped trying to muscle through the practice of law, I was much better at it and quite frankly found more enjoyment in it. Um, you know, muscling through is uh, not going to work uh, in, in the long run, you know, and that was how I did it for a long time. And, and ultimately it's, it's, you know, it's, it's sitting with the essence of it and there'll be parts of it that, you know, that, that you love and parts that you don't. And it's really, unpacking that right and that's any area of life right there are there are things about the practice you know i may never do anything in my life that is quite as that has all of the feeling of standing in front of a jury and you know delivering a closing uh, in a you know in a whatever complex kind of case it is that that your listeners might litigate uh you know i got news for you like i may never get that again right it's a really unique life experience and I'm so grateful that I had it, you know, time and time again. And then there are all the things that, you know, are baked into doing that kind of work, you know, many of which I could live without, right? You know, daily constant <laughs> yeah. conflict, right. uh, you know, and emotional deregulation. But without those, I'm not, you know, I'm not closing in a death penalty case or in a, you know, in a civil rights case or whatever it was that, that I may have had the privilege of doing. And so, you know, just, just being okay with all that. What am I going to do? You know, uh, I don't want to trade you know, one life experience for the other without understanding the essence of what makes it up. And, and so, cause I'm big on, you know, if you're really living, right, you're suffering, right? You're in pain, there's discomfort. And then there's also, you know, happiness and hopefully some joy and most importantly, peace, right? So for me, it's accepting all that is, is what, brings about the peace and then the other things flow from real internal peace you, you keep people talk about joy i had a conversation with somebody about this yesterday um you know chasing or seeking joy as a kind of outcome or or value to me is kind of a losing battle you have to find peace and then if you find peace with everything that is you'll have moments of joy right just like you'll have moments of suffering and it's it's the peace that they're both okay to me, that's the essence of, you know, really being able to live. Is it about finding a balance? Is is it about compartmentalizing one's day? Uh, or is it uh, a matter of uh, instead, you know, not saying, okay, I'll, I'm going to let myself be stressed from, you know, eight until six, instead finding those moments of peace and balance in the storm? Yeah, I and mean, I think to sustain it, I think it's the latter because the piece of acknowledgement that this is part of my existence in my day, right? So you look at your day as a trial lawyer and here are the things that, you know, really jazz me about it and here are the things that I could do without, right? And, but, but they can't 
you know, all the extracted, uh, uh, those that are negative and then, oh, I just like to do these things because part of the practice is you do all these things, right? Mm-hmm. So I think identifying and really being in touch with what you like about it, what what is more taxing about it, and being like really at peace with that so you can begin to really acknowledge you know, how it works for you and, and, and is it sustainable and what changes can you make, if any, to make it, you know, more sustainable or enjoyable or peaceful, but it's really unpacking it like that. And, and so for me, for example, right, you hear a lot of lawyers talk about whatever expression you use, right? I'm going to eat the frog, you know, which Mm -hmm. is the expression for, you know, let me do something unpleasant right away mm-hmm. and and get it done. And so I'm going to do my email box, right? Because as a lawyer, a lot of the emails are, you know, opposing counsel telling you, you know, all the things you're wrong about or your client, you know, complaining about all the things that may not be going the way they want. And your email box as a trial lawyer is largely a very unpleasant task to go through. Uh, you know, you start to look forward to, uh, you know, to the spam mail from, uh, you know, from uh, Dick Sporting Goods or whatever. It's about the only, you know, pleasant email you get in the day. Mm-hmm. And so people say, well, you don't need the frog. But my thing is just, you know, explore what's so unpleasant about it. Right. And it's the things that I said. It's the conflict. It's the tone of it. And sometimes you got to muscle through it. Right. You need the frog. But for me, what was really important was getting in touch with, OK, what is it about these tasks in the practice of law that really don't agree with me? Right. And then it's a lot healthier to muscle through something when you understand what it is that that is uh, making you recoil from it as opposed to just muscling through it. So I don't, I don't know if that you know helps you or your listeners at all. But for me, it's always like what is really going on beneath this. Right. And I, I think there's there's so many people that I know, attorneys and non-attorneys, who seem to be uh, seeking an answer to, um, for example, whether it's focusing on um, going to the gym or whether it's focusing on running or whether, you know, whether it's focusing on a a new diet. It seems like our whole society is searching for uh, the answer. Um, And for many, for many lawyers, the day is so jam-packed, you can't even slow it down. What I liked about reading Finding Polaris is that um, you you do provide some very direct examples of how to create, and you, you say in the beginning, this is an invitation to explore and live an intentional life, right? It's not like, it's not like, telling it's not telling people what to do you're inviting them and then you're giving them concrete examples very simple you know make your bed stay hydrated you know eat well um and then and then it it gets a little bit deeper obviously than that but then you provide very simple daily exercises right so i liked the book because i felt it very um, hands-on and practical, but not but not preachy either, um, and that's why I really think this this is I, I I think of it as a handbook. I have it, you know, right next to my bed, and I've I've read it through, and it's one of these things that you can pick it up and you know quickly reread different sections. Was that your intention to provide something that would be? Um, almost like a user's manual for people to uh, apply 
to their own personal circumstance. Because you didn't write it just for lawyers, right? I mean, you, you, I can see, as I said in the beginning, that you've, you've certainly taken concepts that were fleshed out uh, in your Iron Advocate podcast and are now applying it to lots of different types of people, not just lawyers. No, I mean, thank you for taking the time to, to read it and, and for all that feedback. A um, couple things. One, you know, I, I often say if somebody is selling answers, I'm not a buyer, right? That's fundamental mm-hmm. for me. I, I, you know, that's just, um, I'm all about the process and, you know, not about the, the results or the answer. So um, that, that is fundamental for me. And in terms of the book, you know, so, so one of my, North stars will say, or, you know, Polaris is in writing the book was that I find that there are a lot of, you know, amazing resources in this space, whatever you want to refer to the space as, whether it's mindfulness or personal growth. Uh, and there, there are great things offered, but I think too frequently they feel, and I can speak from my own experience, um, not accessible. And sometimes they're judgmental, like you have to, or should do things this way and, and you'll feel better. Your life will be better. You'll be more fulfilled. Um, and I think they, they leave people feeling oftentimes like there's a, you know, a success or failure in, in our own growth. And, and for me, this book was really about, like you said, I am a believer that we don't rewire ourselves. We just continue to refine the index to our owner's manual. That, that's really what the journey is about. And you do that through trial and error. And assumed in that is, as, as I said earlier, you're going to stub your toe like daily and often. And for me, I'm a big yes on the way you described that. And I, I, I really am humbled that, that you took that from it. You know, and, and I say at the beginning, start where you are today and just you know, be okay with it. Self-compassion, self-kindness, something very hard for lawyers uh, because we're in the judgment business, right? In the mm-hmm. wins and loss business. And, and we're, we're extremely hard on ourselves and everybody expects us and, and even comes and pay you to have answers, right? So we get hung up on on having difficulty with the process. We like wins and, and losses. Yeah, <laughs> wins and, you know, and, and uh, you know, listen, oftentimes you're, you might as well be a magician, you know, from the client's perspective, right? They're paying you to solve the unsolvable, you know, deal with these complex problems. And it gets, you know, hard to just sometimes look and say, God, I don't have any answers, right? And, and, because uh, uh, that's not going to, play well if that's kind of how you market yourself as a lawyer, right? Hey, mm-hmm. hire me. I have no answers. I really can't tell you how this is going to go. I'm not a miracle you know, worker. We'll <laughs> right. But uh, so, so yeah, I think it, it's always start where you are today and, um, and be okay with, you know, with how the journey goes. And so for me, there are opportunities throughout the day to be intentional, to pay attention. Uh, you know, it's not a coincidence that chapter one to the book is, you know, the title is ignorance is not bliss. It's a chapter about self-awareness. Because if you uh, are not spending a good bit of your time having raw and honest dialogue with yourself, doesn't mean you have to act on it, right? But you're having the raw and honest dialogue. You're acknowledging all of these things you and I have been talking about that you feel uh, and, and going from there. And again, it doesn't mean that you have to or should or will act on them that day or immediately or maybe never, as long as you're doing so with intention. And to me, that's the essence of, of any kind of real personal growth is how honest are you willing to be with yourself, uh, you know, each and every day. And you just try to get up and, you know, rinse, repeat every day. 
the iron advocate mindset at first blush may lead someone to think that it's about plowing forward with um, with no regard for your own personal wellness or the wellness of those around you, but it's not that at all, is it? No, I mean, it's, it's, it's set up to be this kind of juxtaposition, right? Which is the, the mindset and, and, and the brand. And if you, you know, go on the website at ironadvocatemindset.com, like you said, the first blush will be, wow, this is a, you know, this is kind of a dark or powerful feeling website. And the essence of it is that, you know, your strength is in your vulnerability. And that's the essence of, of what I do, right? The more vulnerable and honest you're willing to be with yourself, the the stronger. And when I say strength, I really mean internal peace. I, I think that is what the, you know, the, the North Star really is. It's not you know, I want to have a joyful life. Uh, you're going to have some joy and you're going to have some real pain, right? Things are going to happen that are enormously challenging, some within your control and many out of your control. You know, whether they're, whether they're illness, whether it's death, whether it's, uh, you know, you know, you know, breakup of families or challenges in, in relationships with friends or, or siblings or children, that stuff's going to happen along the way. And some of that stuff's not, you know, not, joyful at all. But if you are able to sit with it all and find peace in the realities of your day, that's the essence of the Iron African mindset. And of course, you're going to find the path forward that best works for you from that place, because it reduces your reactivity, you know, which is chapter two in the book is, you know, reactivity, because you're going to struggle to reduce your reactivity if you're not really aware Right. So it's the self-awareness of what I'm feeling and how that, you know, triggers me or makes me feel that then allows me over a long period of time of practicing these principles to slow down reactivity. Right. Not that you're not going to be triggered by certain events, but that you're going to have had the practice in uh, is it managing it or accepting it or just acknowledging it and pausing before reacting. I mean, right. Mm -hmm. You're going to have the triggers. It's yeah, it's slowing. It's slowing. It's slowing. It's all process. Right, Meg, it's slowing it down so that it's happening in a way that you are much more intentional about if and whether you react to it. Slowing down on the speedway, not not necessarily getting off at the exit. You don't you don't there's not always an exit there for you. Right. Right. Usually there's not. So if you don't right, if you don't want to go over the median strip, then you're going to have to be able to pump the brakes a little bit, you know, and look in the rear view or side view and figure out how to maneuver. And there's so many opportunities in your day to practice this. So for me, the place it's, you know, most accessible for me to practice and that it's most extreme will probably always be around my kids, right? Cause we're so reactive around, I don't care how reactive you are about work and other things, but you know, if you have, children or somebody out there has children, you know, and your kid and my boys are 17 and 19 mm-hmm. and, you know, they, you know, do whatever knucklehead thing that they might do that literally in seconds, you can carry that out to, you know, life catastrophe. Well, if they, you know, behave that way and think that way, this will happen and this will happen. And, and know, as lawyers, we've seen it, right? You know, we, exactly. We've seen the, <laughs> exactly, the constant, right? we can see the consequences of poor decision-making. So, 
Correct. And so, so you're going to be reactive to that. So for me, it's like a Petri dish of challenging myself to slow it down. And if I can do it there, then seemingly I can do it in other places. And when I said, there's all these opportunities in your day, you know, in your work day as a lawyer. So I look at some of the challenges in the practice as an opportunity for people to grow. Right. So I'm triggered by all these things in the law, you know, opposing counsel speaking to me a certain way, uh, you know, the financial stress, particularly if you're running a small, you know, practice of your own, uh, clients that, that may not be happy at any given moment. All these things are an opportunity to notice how that triggers you and whether you are um, feeling positive about how you respond to those triggers. Right. So a lot of these things, when I say, like, be okay with it. A lot of these things, I think, you know, lawyers miss the opportunity for the growth by sort of giving into the triggers, you know, and I know I'm not professing that this is easy, but there is a lot of opportunity there. Yeah. Did you, and then over time, you know, over time, like you, you know, you just start to see yourself a little more clearly. Right. And then that's where the, you know, I'm going to say air quotes answers because I'm not an answer. Right. That's where your path and your process will kind of unfold before your eyes, whatever that may be. So I'm I'm sorry to interrupt you. No, but it, it, that makes that makes sense, and it's it's not a situation where um, the decision is as difficult, right? In whatever you do, because you, uh, as you just said, the the process unfolds. I was going to ask you: Did you always know that you wanted to be a lawyer? You know, um, I. When I, I knew from a, a you know a fairly young age that it wasn't being a lawyer as much as it was being in the courtroom and 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 as you know I kind of got a older was being a public defender, you know I, I really did go to law school to be a public defender, mm-hmm. and and I think there are a lot of you know reasons to that that are uh, you know that are part of the essence of who I am. It's you know it's the underdog part, it's the challenge and the complexity and the problem solving and. And, um, and I enjoy sort of this study of human nature, you know, and there's not many better places to do that than in criminal courtrooms. What was your favorite part of being a lawyer? And you know what my next question is going to be? <laughs> yeah, well, yeah right, what, what, did I, what did I not like right. about it? But, uh, I mean, I think, I mean, from a tactical standpoint, right, I mean, being in the courtroom, closing, doing a great cross-examination, but, you know, it's, I love all, it's the people, like, it, mm-hmm. it, you know, the, the, the further away from the game I get, um, you know, the times I reflect most are the people and, you know, other lawyers, the, the relationships you make, you know, people in law enforcement, uh, you know, people that work in the courthouse. And when you're in these, like, high-pressure uh, you know, crisis environments every day, there's a, you know, there's a real bonding nature to it. And there's a real community to it. And, you know, when I wrote the book, when Finding Flowers came out, uh, you know, it's been less than two months now, I guess it's been about six weeks. So many people have reached out, you know, that are, that I reflect on and say, wow, these amazing relationships are all a result of me practicing law, you know, and, and uh, that's been a really good reminder, I think, uh, that, that that's the, most important part and and some of my closest friends to this day people that are family to me are you know folks that um you know that that i started with in the public defender's office so i would say that's without question the without question the number one takeaway for me you are a transfer go ahead go ahead no i was gonna say what i don't like about it you know i certainly don't miss the emotional deregulation of the practice at all 
that's for sure. Right, right. And I think uh, most of my listeners can, can certainly relate to that. Um, you are a transformational coach. Um, how does that process work? Because you're, you're, I'm, I'm going to presume that you are not just coaching attorneys. Um, so you've, you've coached athletes, you've coached young, you've coached old. How does that process unfold between you and a client? So for me, it's, it's, there are a lot of amazing coaches out there. Um, for me, part of what separates me is I do not coach from a, you know, a, a particular, uh, you know, outline or with particular guideposts. I do believe deeply in the principles in the book, but, uh, you know, I both try to meet a client where they are and let them know to, you know, that, that I'm also going to want them to get uncomfortable, meet me where I think they, they need to get to. And, and I tell clients from the very beginning, those that, that I work with, you know, the fit has to be good. And, uh, I am not for everybody. I will, you know, ask folks to get uncomfortable with, you know, the, their stuff. I will tell people right away that, you know, if you're not willing to suffer some, then the growth is going to be really difficult to get at. And, you know, I laugh to myself sometimes, well, how do you sell suffering? You know, what mm -hmm. you're selling is, you know, what you're giving to people is an ability to be at peace with, you know, with where they are. So, I mean, every person is different. And, and you know, I love working with people that are like very high functioning people that objectively, you know, are at the top of their game, you know, and everybody around them is telling them that they're killing it. Right. Which mm -hmm. is where I was living, you know, as, as a trial lawyer, particularly toward the end of the, the end of my run as a lawyer. Um, and inside I'm saying, you know, like what else is here? There, there's gotta be something else for me, or I know that I can reach for some other level of greatness. And so I love to get at people where everybody around them is telling them they're killing it, right? And they're saying to themselves, where do I go from here? So, right. But in, inside, um, they're you know, unhappy. People. Mm -hmm. Unhappy or not even sure, can't quite get at it. Something's not right, right? There's something else that, you know, and, and you know, on the athletic side, I, you know, I'm blessed to work with some athletes. And sometimes it's everybody around them is telling them how great they are and they are. And you look at the numbers, but they're saying to themselves, I think there's some better version of me and, and how do I get at that? And uh, I'm a big believer in accessing your future self, right? And your future self sometimes is, is, is an hour down the road. And sometimes your future self is five years down the road, right? But your future self almost always has the wisdom that you need, right? So if it's as simple as, you know, a morning workout that you're talking yourself into not doing because you're so busy, ask your future self one hour out, Right. Or your future self at the end of the day about how much, you know, where your energy level was, you know, based on whether you did or didn't do the workout. And then, of course, there's, you know, there's the there are the bigger issues that may be further down the road. But I'm very big on accessing your future self. Right. You, you've talked about that vision, having that vision. Um, one of the things vision that... and, and, and trust inside of me and trust mm -hmm. in self. Right. Mm -hmm. So it's having the vision and then the trust that that you may not know what it's going to look like from here to there, but you'll, you'll, you'll execute it as the path unfolds. Yeah. You, you talked a couple minutes ago about the idea of um, getting used to the discomfort. Um, and you have a chapter in your book on fear. Um, and I saw where you're going to have a, uh, a virtual book club on YouTube uh, that 
our listeners, we can, you know, you can share with our listeners how to access that. But talk to me for a minute, and you touched on it a little bit, but when you say fear, um, you're, you're using that as a, as a positive. How? So fear is underlies uh, almost all of the barriers between where we are and, and where our, you know, internal voice wants us to be. Uh, so fear is ordinarily an invitation to explore something that your brain is telling you, get away from that. That seems kind of scary. Uh, I don't know what it's going to look like. Uh, I don't know what that change will be. Uh, and fear is actually an invitation. So I have, you know, from reading the book, um, so chapter four is fear. It's actually, I think, the longest chapter. Chapters are all relatively short. Fear is, I think, the longest. And you know from the beginning of the chapter that I have a quote, which is also tattooed on the inside of my right biceps that says um, what we fear doing most is usually what we most need to do, which is a, a quote from Ralph Waldo Emerson. And I believe that to my core, right? Other than, uh, you know, the jumping off the building or staying away from, you know, uh, you know, wild animals that might kill us kind of fear. Mm-hmm. All other fear is something that we probably need to do. Mm-hmm. And I think everything in your book flows from that concept and everything that you have shared to, to this point um, flows from that concept, right? Um, and I think that's probably something I, I, that lawyers can relate to, right? It's, it's, it's scary when you're a young lawyer standing up in front of a, a jury, um, but there's nothing like sitting down after your first closing and thinking, well, I, I did it, right? Um, and I think yeah. that's something that, that lawyers can probably relate to. And the, without question, and sometimes it's, you know, it's a different, it's just a fear of a difficult conversation, right? Or the fear of a, a case that you have to try either way. You're going to have to try it. And your fear is, you know, losing it or, uh, you know, not getting it right. And the reality is you're going to try it better if you lean into that fear. And I, I would say that, you know, fear is. So the other side of fear, right, when you really lean into it, is is resilience, right? So so fear becomes like a superpower because the more you lean into the fears and own them and acknowledge them, the the the, the stronger the power of your resilience becomes and the greater confidence you have to rely upon it, right? Because I walked away and you talk about being a young lawyer. I mean, I can remember vividly what it felt like to walk, you know, the two blocks from the public defender's office in Philadelphia to the courthouse, you know, they call it the CJC in Philadelphia with 75, you know, files, you know, either under my arm or in a trial bag for, you know, a jam packed, you know, preliminary hearing room. And, and you're walking into a place where nobody wants you there. Right. And, you know, mm-hmm. you're, you're, you know, you're up against it in every way. And then oftentimes even the clients are, you know, recently arrested and, and, you know, think if, you know, they're not paying for your services, it's not going to be good. And it's very, very challenging. And, you know, I can look back and think, wow, the resilience that I developed from going into these situations that were, you know, palpably uh, challenging. And so, you know, I think that had I done so more intentionally, I would have grown more faster. Right. But I, Mm -hmm. but I fought it off, you know, so, Mm -hmm. but yes, yes to that for sure. You have been uh, traveling around the country, uh, giving uh, talks and, and sharing 
uh, your uh, iron advocate mindset with with different folks. What do you have? Uh, what do you have lined up going forward? So uh, I I had a great I had an amazing weekend. Uh, I was in Indiana um, and uh, did a book event out there and spoke to the uh, men's basketball team at uh, Indiana State University on Monday. That was um, that was a real treat. And uh, I'm actually very excited about the virtual uh, book club that you mentioned. So I'm, I'm launching a, a, a half an hour show virtual book club. Uh, each episode will focus on one of the chapters from Finding Polaris. Uh, it's going to premiere on uh, October 26th at 8 o'clock. It'll be on the YouTube channel live, but of course it'll be there, you know, recorded for anybody to see. And uh, so it's Iron Advocate Mindset is the YouTube channel. And um, the first guest is going to be uh, Rich Harris, who's a partner at Littler Mendelssohn and a phenomenal, amazing uh, employment lawyer and entrepreneur and also growth mindset junkie uh, like I am. And uh, we're going to talk fear. So the first episode will be fear, which, as you said, is kind of the essence of the book. So mm-hmm. we're going to get at some fear and we're going to come at it from a lot of different angles. I think we'll we'll probably also have some amazing discussion about how race impacts on that and some of the yeah, some of the societal stuff that can that can almost double down on your fear, depending on depending on your perspective. So I'm looking forward to that chat with Richie. You ever get nervous? I still have fear at oh, yeah. all or do you like how do, how do you I'm just curious because I mean I you know I've been practicing law for quite a while I still get nervous before when the when the jury comes in that courtroom or when I'm faced with um, conflict that I don't want to have to deal with and um, you know do you, does does any does that ever go away or is it a matter no, of managing it yeah I don't think it goes I don't think it goes away I think you mm-hmm. I think you acknowledge it. I, I mean, I welcome it now. I mean, mm-hmm. listen, you know, publishing a, you know, a book is like one of the ultimate challenges of, of all of that, right? What will people say? What do they think? Is it, you know, you have to, you know, you have to work through all that. And ultimately, you know, I wrote the book just hoping to, you know, it's dedicated to my two sons and just hoping to serve in some way and ease the journey of whomever picks it up. Uh, but that doesn't stop those, you know, reactive moments of, you know, what are people going to say? Is anybody going to like the book? Is anybody going to buy the book? You know, if I think if somebody says that that stuff doesn't happen or occur to them, I think they're, you know, they're numbing themselves, uh, as I said earlier, not living. I, I, For me, at least, like that, that just seems to be a baked into the human experience. And, and it's all about noticing it and and uh, I, I welcome them. So grateful for the book journey because it challenged me in so many ways to be a better version of myself, and it still does. Your your book, Finding Polaris, uh, is is a true gift uh, that you have given that you have shared uh, with attorneys and non attorneys alike. Uh, I welcome all of my guests to to check out your uh, YouTube channel. Uh, and uh, October 26th, you said, uh, the Virtual Book Club uh, begins, and we'll definitely be keeping uh, an eye on uh, any other events that you have going forward. Um, I can't thank you enough for joining me today, Bob, uh, and giving us some insight into the, the path that you have taken uh, and, and just sharing the skills that you have acquired over the years uh, in, in the area of 
uh, emotional awareness. Uh, and uh, I just can't thank you enough. Thanks for having me, Meg. It was a, it was a blast, and I appreciate all the kind words and and your listeners. I appreciate for tuning in, and and like you said, they can check out the show. The book's available. Go on Amazon and all places that the books for sale, and check me out at ironadvocatemindset.com. Uh, the email's Bob at ironadvocate.com. I welcome any you know any any reach out, and uh, I love to chat with lawyers and non-lawyers alike. And thanks for doing this, the the show you do. Uh, the episode with me giving lawyers space to just explore all this stuff, I think, is a uh, service that is um, that is uh, incredibly valuable. So kudos to you, and thanks again for having me. Thank you. And just real quick, if uh, if any of my listeners want to reach out to you for uh, coaching services, they could email you. Yeah, they can email me right at Bob at Iron Advocate dot com they can uh, find a link on the website to do that and um they can find me on linkedin i'm active there uh, i'm easy to find so uh and even if it's just a they just want to have a chat and kind of see what i'm about and and test the waters uh i i love lawyers period and and um you know love connecting with them and and i'm always happy to try to to add whatever value i can and if there's a, a way that i can can help working with them going forward great but uh I don't think there's ever a lawyer that'll reach out that uh, they won't get a, a response from me swiftly. So, great. Thank you again, Bob. Thanks, Mike. This podcast is not a source of legal advice. No two legal cases are the same. Contact an attorney if you require legal assistance. The best way to follow, subscribe, rate, or message the show is to visit njcriminalpodcast.com. Listen to the challenges, solutions, strategies, and opportunities related to legal podcasts. Podcasting is a powerful sales tool with digital marketing benefits. If you're interested in law firm podcasting, simply dial 239 351 5575 and ask for Tom. That's 239 351 5575. Or go to lawfirmpodcasts.com to schedule a call.